Tolo, your host, and welcome to the Dunamis EQ Leadership Podcast. We're here to empower you to lead yourself and others with emotional intelligence. Let's go. Angelo, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm uh, grateful for that uh, to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So we connected recently on LinkedIn, and I was really interested about your your title, your tagline, which was about, you know, helping sales people to lead better. Um, so I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we can get into some, some questions after that. Sure. So I've been on a journey. Uh, now, this journey had started a, a long time ago, and I'm at a point okay. in the journey that you know, I'm excited to be here, but you know, before we start about where I'm at today, let me start where I, where I started. And I grew up in the staffing industry. I started fresh out of college. It was my first professional job. And I was with one company for nearly 11 years where I started as an individual producer, grew into leadership. Actually, leadership found me, I like to say. And I made a lot of mistakes as a leader, but I learned from those mistakes and grew and had a lot of great opportunities, met a lot of great people, but I always looked at myself as a leader and a coach, and that's the part of my job that I came to show up for every single day. And I just wanted to inspire my team and empower them. And got to a point at that organization where you know I, I needed to grow more, and I wanted to grow my leadership skills, and I went out and I found that. So I found another leader. And, you know, 12 months later, my circumstances have changed where now I'm pursuing my passion of coaching, just something I've thought about for years. And I didn't think I would be in this position for another 12 to 18 months. But here I am today getting an opportunity to, to live my dream. So um, what I'm trying to do is, you know, inspire others that were in my position that, you know, was a life that they fell into and helping them mm. live the life that they are dreaming of. And they don't feel that they're capable of doing it. So they need someone to be side by side with them, a leader and a coach, to help them get there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you mentioned about you found a leader who you admired. So what was it about this leader that you admired and how did you go about finding her? So I set an intention every morning, every night. I told myself I will surround myself with positive people who will help me grow. And I envisioned what that leader would look like. Uh, to me, I wanted the autonomy to build something from scratch. Because I'm a builder, I love creating, and I love molding and shaping things and building future leaders. So building something from scratch, I felt would be an amazing opportunity to be able to get that done. So the leader that I was looking for would be at an organization that was in a position that they needed a leader that could come in, just get it done. Something where it was a clean canvas, where they had the, you know, the infrastructure set up for someone to come in and run with it, and someone that could teach me not just the business side of, you know, operations, but the real people side of it as well. Because that's, I'm a people leader. That's how I've always viewed myself, and I wanted to accelerate that as well. So that's mm -hmm. I thought about what it would feel like when I had that, and honestly, it just came to me. You know, sought it, but I, I tell people like it really did just kind of fell in my lap. Let's say. Would you mind sharing the story of how it fell into your lap? Sure. So it took once I got to a point when I knew it was time for me to leave, and it was an extremely difficult decision because you know I, I grew up at that organization and I and I loved everyone there. Um, I had no 
particular reason that I had to leave, but I just, I had this calling that if I wanted to grow, I knew I needed to find a new home and find, find this new leader as well. And I was very passive, but also active at the same time where I had updated my LinkedIn. I'd set my intention of what I was looking for, but I didn't entertain just any call that came through. I was very guarded with my time because I, you know, out of full respect, you know, I, I had a full-time position. I had a, you know, a team that relied on me and deliverables. So I wanted to give my full attention to that. So that's why I didn't just take any call, but something just felt right about the message that I got just to have a conversation. I was like, eh, I don't, nah, I don't know. It was an internal recruiter and, you know, I sat on it for about a day or two. But for some reason, I just felt that I needed to take the call. And it was only one of three companies that I took the call. And I'm happy oh, wow. I did. I mean, it, it took me a while, you know, in the interview process, because I kept thinking, ah, this is, you know, too good to be true. And, you know, I, I loved the leader, but I was, you know, I would ask her the same questions over and over to see if anything changed and it didn't. So, you know, it was, it was all a good sign and everything, you know, happened for a reason. That's awesome. And you mentioned about leadership kind of came to you or it found you. So when did you start leading people? Officially by title in 2016. But I've been, okay. you know, I've been a people leader, you know, all my life. That's how I've, I've always viewed myself because I've, I've been that team guy that I'm always looking to build everyone up around me. And, you know, I'm not, I've never been the one that wants to, you know, let's say, you know, sports, never been the one that wanted to score the most points and then have my team suffer. I wanted to mm. get a win, but also have my team win with me. So mm. when we got in the professional world with recruiting, it's a very individualistic uh, career because as a recruiter, you get paid commission based on the placements you make. So those are mm. my placements, my work, but Whenever I had people around me, which, you know, you, you're sitting in, in cubes, I called it cube life. You know, you hear other people on the phone, you know, you hear the conversations, you know, they're going through the same struggles you're going through. So, you know, as a team, you know, I always would share whenever possible. If I, if I heard someone, I would step in, kind of mm -hmm. act as a mentor, even if I was only ex more experienced by a couple months. And I just learned through osmosis, really, of, of all the people around me, too, regardless of their amount of years of experience. So there was an opportunity that came about. I was a recruiter, moved into a sales position. And at that point, I really missed recruiting. You know, I was good at sales. But I'll be honest, I wasn't great at sales in that, in that organization. And I, I missed, you know, my network of, you know, candidates I had. It was fantastic. But there was a gap in leadership that we had there. And my current boss um, at the time, you know, he, he saw that in me that I could fill that leadership gap because I was playing that role without having the title. So that's any advice that I would give to anyone that's looking to get into leadership is do the job before you have the job. You know, everyone thinks that you have to have a title to be a leader. That is so far from the truth. It's not even funny. So you know, that's the advice I would give is find someone on your team today that needs a mentor and just volunteer your time. You know, you see them, 
just take them under your wing. And that's how you can get that leadership experience, you know, without the title. And that's just what happened to me. So, you know, then we fast forward, Hey, come back into recruiting. You recruit for a couple months, just, you know, prove yourself, you know, again, I know you got it, but just come back in, produce. And when the time is right, we'll make the switch. It's absolutely, I, tr I trust you. So we did it, made the switch I get back to recruiting. And I never asked for a timeline. I never asked for, you know, anything. It just happened. And, you know, when I got mm -hmm. pulled in the office and, and knew it was happening, I was, I was beyond excited, but honestly, you know, I was shocked too, because I had never asked for anything, you know, in my life, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, okay, here we go. Day one, let's start. So what were some of the adjustments that you had to make going from that kind of unofficial people leader position to the titled official people leader? That was a difficult transition. <laughs> so <laughs> on paper, right, right. It's easy because yeah. all of a sudden you have a new, you have a new signature, you know, you get a, yep. you know, new business card and it says I'm a leader but nobody mm. actually teaches you how to be a leader in that transition. So anyone mm. listening who's been in that spot can resonate with that, where if you're promoted in a current organization from an individual contributor role to leadership, who are you leading? Mm. It's your friends, mm. all your coworkers, yeah. <laughs> you've done happy hours with them. Yeah. You've, you've shared yeah. intimate stories with them. So like they really know who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then all of a yeah. sudden you're their leader. So it's very awkward at first, you know, the first time you have to do a one-on-one -on -one with someone and their performance isn't quite up to par or the first time mm. a friend or a coworker is late or, you know, does something that, you know, is at a detriment to the team and you, ha and you have to coach them. So through no fault of my own, I understand that now. Those were, you know, some of the, you know, the struggles and failures that, that happened to me and, and, and happens to everyone because you don't know how to handle it at first. And you want mm. to take the easy path by not having a difficult conversation, which I learned mm. over the years that, you know, those difficult conversations are the most impactful ones. So mm. that was a challenge, biggest challenge that, that I faced because I always led through example. So I'd yeah. show up on time, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be there late when it was required. I would put in the work during the day. They would hear me on the phones. I would be side by side coaching them. I would never approach a problem just at surface level. I would always seek to understand. So I think mm -hmm. that's what led me to progress my leadership quickly and get the buy-in with the team because they mm -hmm. knew that, yes, I was their friend. But I also, you know, was their leader. So they respected that because I did have that line drawn where I never bought mm. into you can't be friends with your team, right? I, I don't mm. believe that's true. I think you can, but you have to draw the line of respect as a leader, knowing that, you know, you treat your team like the adults that they are, empower them to make meaningful decisions and trust them. But if mm. they cross that line, you are right there to address it. So they, so no one's taken advantage of you. And honestly, in my seven years of, of leadership leading that way, I've, I think I've had to say no to someone maybe two or three times because they crossed the line. 
because mm. you know my team always respected me and I, I respected them. I think it's a really interesting one because I think that sometimes with our friends, we're almost afraid to hold them accountable because we feel like friendship is meant to be based on, I like you, you like me, we kind of do whatever we do. But I feel like maybe it's because I come from a sports background, right? So you're like, you're my teammate, you're my friend, you're my brother, but like, bro, we still have to hold each other accountable because we're all trying to win. And I feel like maybe it's an interesting one because I feel like for me with my friends, like we're all trying to win at life. You know, we're all trying to move in the direction that leads to success. So I hold my friends accountable and they hold me accountable, even though we're not leading each other in quotes, but there is still that accountability and, you know, you don't cross lines that shouldn't be crossed. So I think it's a really interesting one of that thing of friend versus boss kind of leader. It's kind of like, well, I do wonder like if you have the right kind of friendships, like, is it similar anyway? Right. It is. So when you're at, when you're at work, you're, you know, it's a team. So you can say, you know, mm -hmm. your, your team in sports or, you know, at work and that team is only as strong as the weakest link. So I, I always looked at empowering every single person on my team, right. To make those powerful decisions and hold each other accountable. Is it my mm -hmm. job as a leader to hold each individual accountable? Yes, but a good team has every person as a checkpoint as well. So whether yeah. that's through the, through the buddy system where you pair people up or you do, it's the positive reinforcement. I was taught something in a leadership training a few years ago where you put coins in, in one pocket. So say you put you know 20 coins in your left pocket, every time you give a positive reinforcement, you take that coin and you put it into your right pocket. And you should have more coins in your right pocket than to do your left by the end of the day. If not, you have to evaluate what was happening. And mm. through that positive reinforcement, that in turn gets the team to check in with each other as well, because they know what I'm reinforcing and they double down on that as well. So whether that's, you know, say in recruiting, great, you made, you know, your 40 phone calls today, or you got your two candidates submitted to the client, you, you know, you made a deal today, whatever it is, pumping that up. And then sooner or later, you'll see the team as well, checking everyone, and whatever goals you set, then you'll start having them playing off of each other. And you can do that through ways of, you know, setting, you know, team goals is one of the areas that I would love to build off of rather than doing individual goals, you build that team goal because then everyone has something to win or lose there. So it really keeps everyone, mm. you know, accountable. And it's regardless of your, you know, friends or, you know, coworkers, but I think we all kind of develop into friends anyways through that. That makes sense. One of the, one of the things you'd mentioned earlier was about the mistakes that you made and that you learned from them. What would you say was the mistake that you learned the most from? That's a great question. So I'll have to, I would say, okay. So it's, it's one that I had touched on in that conversation where it, it's the difficult conversations because those are so meaningful and mm. they're, you know, those are the ones we, we don't want to have. And mm. I can relate it to recruiting when you're speaking with a candidate and say you're trying to close a deal, the most important questions are the ones that are just, you don't know if you want the answer to. For example, if I'm 
you just interviewed for a client of mine and I ask you point blank, if we receive an mm. offer, are you going to accept? That's very mm. scary because if you say no, right, my heart's going to flutter. And I'll say, oh, like that, that's, yeah. you know, my commission's dependent on you accepting, yeah. you know, this position. Yeah. So with, with our teams too, if their performance is low, we can not have that conversation and just see what happens because they're our friend and we don't want to have that difficult conversation. We don't want them to think that we're being hard on them or I'm not their friend. And we play these mind games as leaders with ourselves and it, it's, and it's a balance, but here's what can happen if you don't address that performance is they're not able to correct what it's needed. It could be a skill mm. problem. Um, it could be just, you know, something in the environment needs to change. They need to be coached on a process. And if I don't ask, address that difficult conversation, it could just continue going like this. And then before you know it, you know, there, there's nothing we can do. And either, you know, mm. that person, you know, quits or, you know, higher up, see that number. And then they come to you and say, well, something's got to be done about that. So having those difficult conversations, just addressing them. And then honestly, mm. afterwards, it's a, it's a weight off your shoulders. But I, I shied away from having those conversations early on because out of fear of, you know, what would my team think, right? They're my friends. I can't possibly, you know, have this conversation. Mm. I wouldn't want to have this conversation. But the more I had them, just the easier it got. And then you learn ways to have those conversations where it's not so difficult. Okay. That makes sense. So what were some of the ways that you grew in your leadership? So was it a course that you went on? Did you get mentors? So how did you start to make that transition and grow into the kind of official leader that, that you had to become? So for me, I think it came with just a deep understanding of, you know, what people really want. And that I had to focus on myself first. So I heard this great quote, uh, probably about two years ago by Todd Durkin. He's a, he's a fellow coach. And he says, leader of one, leader of many. If you can't lead one, you can't lead any. So before mm. you become a leader of many, right, what do you have to do? You have to take care of yourself. You're the most important mm. person. So mm. if your team sees you're not taking care of yourself or you're not taking care of you know, business, how can you expect them to do all the things you say. So our teams catch, you know, they're, they're, it's caught more than what is taught. Sure. So yeah, 100%. That's just, you know, that came natural to me. So, you know, it, it started with, you know, taking care of myself outside of work, inside of work, you know, all that self care. And then, you know, while I'm at work too, just, you know, leading by example and and trying to stay in tune with my people and, and what they really needed and, and really mm. cut the fluff and, and let them know that I understand them because I am them, right? Just because I'm the leader doesn't mean I'm on a different playing field. I, I'm still recruiting. I was at that time when I entered leadership, but it just was a continual process of, you know, understanding myself to understand, you know, my team as well. And so what were some of the ways that you managed to understand yourself? Like, how did you explore yourself? 
So that came with a lot of just self-reflection and that took me a, like, it took many years to, to really fine tune that process because honestly, I, I believe the first, we'll say, you know, four years of, of my leadership was figuring that out <laughs> and, you mm. know, figuring out my style because I never realized the influence that I truly had as a leader. And once I realized that, then I really started changing and impacting, you know, more people. So that self-reflection I did, and that's just time away. You know, you have to step away from work. Work will always be there. And mm. once you realize that, you know, things change because we're always plugged in and we never give ourselves time to actually unwind, stop and self-reflect. And my time to self-reflect always came through physical exercise. So that's where it okay. first started, you know, whether that be running, strength training, playing sports. I was a huge volleyball guy, you know, early okay. on and just getting away and, you know, understanding what, what I want more that helped me really understand what my team is looking for. Yeah. I feel like that, that time for reflection and sometimes asking yourself some uncomfortable questions, I think makes such a massive difference because I think it's that thing of, you know, when you're on the airplane and they say, you know, in case of an emergency, you put your oxygen mask on first and then put on someone else's is that thing of you really need to understand yourself. You really need to understand your motivations, your likes, your dislikes before you can really then start to apply that to other people. So I, I really, really like that. I wanted to ask you, what does emotional intelligence mean to you? So to me, emotional intelligence, I was thinking about this before we chatted and it's all about energy and, mm. you know, because emotions actually are an energetic response in our body. Now there's a whole science behind it that that's probably for okay. another podcast to dive deep into, <laughs> but it yeah. really is just energy. So mm. that is what propelled my leadership career. So that energy, all emotions are energy. So I need to have that self-awareness with myself and to understand what is going on. And mm. if I can understand what is going on inside, then I'm able to lead in the moment way better. Give me an example. If there's say, you know, what could come across as a frustrating situation. Well, if you're a leader that doesn't understand how their emotions work and energy and you just react, you may say something that you don't mean to say. And that's not going to come mm. across as the learning moment that it should. So mm. what you could do instead, if it's that frustrating moment, pause because you feel a spike in your body where maybe it's that, you know, frustration or annoyance, whatever it is, because that's just a human response. It doesn't mean that it actually mm. is annoying or frustrating, but that's, a, you know, where our brain is telling us that. So there's a power in mm. the pause, just pause in the moment take a breath and then it clears everything. And then you're able to think and seek to understand because the problem is never the problem. It's, you know, you, hmm. once we find out what it really is, then we're able to hit with that. And when you're aware of your energy and what you put out there, you attract hmm. what you put out too. So if you're positive, hmm. you know, you're going to attract those positive people as well. And your, our team feeds off of that. So whenever I walk into the room, you know, especially my last year in leadership, first thing I would do, it doesn't not matter what had happened 
anything that morning. And when I have two young kids, so there's a whirlwind that can happen before I get into the office. Yeah. When I get in there, what's up team? How are we doing today? And smile on my face. I'm glowing. I'm putting out that positive energy. You know, I'm not, oh, the traffic was terrible. You know, oh man, I had to wake up so early today. You know, they can feel that energy. So mm. I, I treat myself as a self-proclaimed energy multiplier because I can feel that energy <laughs> in, in my team. And they know yeah. that if I can, if I sense any energy in them, right, that like, positive energy, all I need is a little ounce. And I take that and I feed off of it. And I just, I boost mm. it up. And then I give that right back to them. And, mm. you know, my teams, it, it's just awesome things happen. And I, I built some really good teams that way because I actually saw people as they were. They were people, were humans. And, mm. you know, they get frustrated. Again, I know that that's just, just our emotions. And a lot mm. of us are very reactive. So, you know, I feel like I could talk about this topic all day because that's the most impactful piece of leadership that there really is. You know, we anyone can learn the business that you're in. But me truly, mm. I feel that, you know, as a, a, a leader that has a, a high EQ, I could go into any industry and start building teams because when you understand that energy and how it works, that's mm. how we get through our day, right? Is, is through our mm. energy. So mm. we have to be protective of it as well. So if I would see situations where my teams, it's just, you know, it's easy to get frustrated over little things and just like let your energy spill out into these situations. And then they're done for the rest of the day. But if you can teach mm. your teams how to protect that energy and become aware of how their energy flows and, you know, it, it go, where our attention goes, our energy flows, teach them that. And then, mm. uh, you know, awesome things can happen. I've never really thought about emotions as energy and about it's really like energy management. Because I think in the sports context, you know, you've got to manage your energy. You've got to bring the right level of energy, but I've never thought about emotions in the sense of energy. So that was really, really interesting for me um, around EQ being really about managing emotions, which is about managing energy. I love that because you can almost influence energy in some ways as well. So I, f I found that really, really interesting. What would you yeah, say 100%. has been your biggest leadership success? My biggest leadership success hands down would be this happened probably within the last two and a half, three months. So okay. whole nother topic of leadership would be imposter syndrome that goes on with okay. leaders. We have the type, yeah. we have the title, we have the experience, we have the positive reviews, we have the face to face, yeah. you know, comments of you're doing a great job and you can see your own production numbers too and doing a great job. But it's hard to believe that like imposter syndrome is something that I feel that a lot of leaders don't talk about, but it truly is there. You know, anyone mm. listening can think about how many times that they thought like, oh, I'm not a good leader. I get, I, I should have done this. You know, I should have done yeah. that. And you replay everything on how you could have done better. And I lived that way for so many years, but it never stopped me from just pouring my energy out, my heart and soul to my teams and, you know, I was always looking to, you know, seek to understand and I wanted to make sure my team felt they were, they were heard and they were seen. So 
I switched up how I did my monthly one-on-ones with my teams because I, I never liked them. Growing up in this industry, it's just all metrics-based and that's all that's talked about is what your production was for last month, areas we need to improve on. Maybe they touch on what went well, but a lot of times it's just, you know, even if there's nine things that went well, it's that 10th thing. Well, let's start improving on that and let's only talk about that. And it really mm-hmm. gave me this this bad taste in my mouth for for one-on-ones. And that's just what I was taught, that that's the way they were ran. Well, I started reading, and so honestly through LinkedIn, I can't remember who had posted it, but they were talking about a different way to run one-on-ones and give that space to your employees to be heard and be seen. Drop the numbers, drop the metrics. Talk about mm-hmm. that if it something needs to be coached on but give that unencumbered time to your teams that's just for them. So I mm. took that to heart. I sent a note out and told my team, I said, look, we're going to start doing one-on-ones a different way. Here's how we're going to do them. We have 30 minutes and this is your time with me. Now I, I, I try, I shied away from one-on-ones a lot because I prided myself in just being involved with my team so heavily. I took for granted that the alone time is so impactful. Thing I would call, text, you know, you know, messages, you know, be right next to them at their desk all day, every day. So I felt that I was more involved than many leaders. But that alone time, I realized so much more came out. So what I said was, this time is yours. I do not want to talk about mm-hmm. numbers. What we're gonna do is, I just want to catch up. What do you need from me to be successful? You know, what's working for you, what's not. I want to know what's happening in your personal life too. We don't have to dive deep in it if you don't want to share, but I just want to know what's going on and anything that I can do for you. So I had started those conversations after, you know, the first time doing them. I remember, you know, one of my employees, he says to me, the end, you know, I just want to let you, he's like, this, this was great. I appreciate you. I actually feel like you heard me. And he's like, I've never had that before in this industry. So thank you. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. But I didn't believe it. Mm. I said, ah, okay, you know, that, that's great. But eh, maybe he's just trying to like be a friend. So let's fast forward here. A couple of weeks later, I hired a new employee. And these two employees were talking and they were on speakerphone. And they didn't realize, they knew I was there, but they didn't know that I could hear the conversation. Well, the employee that I had that one-on-one with that gave me that awesome feedback openly shared with the new employee said, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know what Angelo's all about. And, you know, as a leader, he's one of the best leaders I've ever had. And he really hears us and and he sees you. So... It's just, it's just different. You know, he's like, I've never had that. Wow. So you're really going to like it here. And I'm totally, let me tell you that brought a tear to my (laughs) eye. I'm serious because right then instantly I, I snapped out of it and I said, wow, I said, this is why I'm here. Like I really knew it, but I never truly believed in it. Um, Because again, that that imposter syndrome that, you know, hangs around um, again, it mm. never stopped me from being the leader that I knew I was. But once that actually that that evidence that just hit me right between the eyes, like, all right, this is this is awesome. Here you go. And it took a long yeah. time for that to kick in. 
but you know, I'm, I'm glad it did at, at that moment. Cause it was, uh, it was very impactful. And I let him know afterwards, I called him maybe two weeks after. And I just, I thanked him for that. I said, you didn't know I heard that, but I just want to let you know, thank you. And you have no idea what that meant to me. So it was great. That's, that's so, that's such a beautiful moment because, you know, sometimes the leaders, you think, what would I want my team to say about me if I'm not in the room, you know, and am I really living yeah. up to that? And you do question yourself like, okay, am I actually doing the best by my team? So it's such a beautiful moment to be able to hear someone in your team talking about you when you're, when they don't know that you're there. That's, that's such an amazing moment. Yeah. Tell me a bit about how you got into coaching. Well, that's an interesting story I'll say, because for me, I always viewed myself as a coach. So as leaders, we are coaches because we are with our teams side by side and we're not managing them. We're coaching them daily. Mm. And mm. I would, I would look at that as something that I enjoyed to do. So I, I didn't love the business sometimes, but I loved leading and coaching my teams. So I, I viewed myself as a coach for the longest time, but I never had that official title. And I coached candidates too, on the phone, constantly, mm. walking them through the job seeking process, walking them through interviews, coaching, coaching them for interviews, coaching them how to deal with counter offers, you know, what to do, you know, when they start their careers, when they start their new jobs. So I've, I've had that mm. coaching hat on it in just various roles for a long time, but I never officially had it. So I thought years ago, um, what would I do if I wasn't in staffing right now? And instantly mm. coaching came to mind. I thought, well, maybe I'll do a fitness studio. I, I, I just love physical fitness and I can be a fitness instructor and a coach that way. But that wasn't enough for me because I felt that, you know, the coaching that I can provide people, it's, it's very holistic and it's, it's really more for, you know, your life. It's, you know, it's your leadership skills. It's, it's physical fitness. It's our lifestyle, you know, our career, our mindset. But I always talked myself out of it because I didn't feel that the time was right. I was comfortable. I was making, you know, healthy six figure, you know, income consistently. I, I had the title. I had the reviews. I had no reason to, to leave, but I was burnt out. And I needed a change, you know, from my, my first job of oh, nearly 11 years. So I thought mm. I was going to get into coaching then. But again, you're not just going to turn off a healthy six-figure salary and start from scratch. You'd have to be mm. crazy to do that. Well, here <laughs> I am now. <laughs> so that's why I, I went back and I said, okay, well, I can continue to grow, right? So that's, I mm. wanted to expand my leadership, which you talked about earlier in the podcast. So I found mm. that leader that would help me expand in the areas that would set me up for future success. So I'm mm. forever grateful for the opportunity that I received well, 14 months into that new journey where I'm thinking, hey, in another 12 to 18 months, then I'll step into the coaching world. I'll be all set up. I'll have everything figured out, you know, all the things that I thought I needed. Well, then mm. I was let go on July 31st. Wow. And when I got that phone call, sure, I went through the, the same human experience anyone would go through. I was angry. You know, I was upset. Honestly, it kind of hurt the ego a little bit to, to be let go. I mean, yeah. it's never happened in my life, and I've never had a bad review ever in my life. And 
one thing that didn't happen though, I never questioned my self-worth and I never questioned who I was because I knew it. And mm. as soon as that phone call ended, the first thing I said to myself was, all right, day one, let's get started. I'm a coach and I'm going to announce this to the world tomorrow. So I set my alarm for 5 a.m. the next day because I knew that when life works best for me, I get a good workout in, I have a good breakfast and I just get going for the day. So I said, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to inspire folks. I'm going to get my journey started and let's go. <laughs> So it was very scary, but, you know, especially walking in that door that night and, and telling my, my wife, but I had all the plans and I was excited. Mm. I was coming at it from a place of gratitude and I did mm. just that. I woke up at 5am the next morning, grabbed my 40 pound sandbag, I did a, a hike around our field and did, did some sprints, got a nice sweat on. And then I posted on LinkedIn and I announced it to the entire world. And I said, I'm a coach. And the very next day mm -hmm. I opened up my business and my posting has not stopped up until this past weekend was the first time I took a break just to be more present with my family over the weekend. And mm -hmm. it's been so meaningful to me, to the people that have reached out and just been so supportive because I, I've had a lot of people in my life that I've helped and they've just straight up asked, can you just be my coach? Uh, yeah, you know, like I, I appreciate that. You know, that's not really like what I do. I'm, you know, I'm your friend, you know, or I'm family member. I'm happy to just, you know, help you. But I never, I never thought I would make it happen. Uh, I, I thought it was something like way in the future. So, you know, I, I took a circumstance that I could be down and out, you know, right now, but I took it as this is the sign I need to get this going. I've always said I'm a coach. I'm never going to get this opportunity again. So I need to hit the ground running. And that's just exactly what I did. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And what are some of the things that you teach in your coaching? How does it work? So, uh, great question. So what I, my niche that I'm focusing on is sales and staffing professionals, because I lived in that world for 12 years and it's a, it's a high production, high stress environment. And nobody goes to school to get into sales and staffing typically we all fall into those roles and what keeps us there is the money usually because we can make really good money but you also have to put in a lot of hard work to get that and mm. through that hard work don't get me wrong you can have a lot of you know amazing successes but at what cost and then this isn't to say that hey don't get into staffing don't get into sales but what I am saying is be aware of the impact that that environment is having on you because to be able to survive in that environment is not enough. You need to thrive on it and you need to do a lot of self-care. And honestly, a lot of high performers, which I, I was and still am, cannot get out of our own way. So we fall into this life where we get stuck in it. And again, we have these golden handcuffs because we're making good money and we don't feel that we can get that somewhere else. And we feel we are a number. We feel we're that production. We feel we're just metrics because that's, that's driven into any sales or staffing professional that their numbers are shown to them daily, weekly, quarterly, yearly. And what you are is that number next to your name. And when you start attaching your self-worth to that number, your title, your paycheck, 
it is just a recipe for disaster. At some point it's going to hit, you know, it could be in your mid twenties, it could be your thirties, or you could snap your fingers and you're in retirement and you realize that you were working 60, 70 hours a week, didn't spend any time with your family. And now what, you know, you don't have anything to show for it. So, you know, what I'm looking to do is fill that gap in the industry where, you know, folks that feel like they're stuck, they're on the verge of burnout, they don't want to go to their leader and say that. They don't even want to talk to a colleague about it. They probably won't even mention it to their families. It's just going to physically manifest through the stress, the like the frustrations that they show outwardly because they can't talk about it with anyone and they don't know how to work through it. They don't have that self-awareness to realize their thoughts control their emotions and then it controls our actions and then the results we get out of that. So I look at it through four pillars. First, we need to work on mindset because it all starts up here. That's the game we need to, we need to get right first before we can do anything else. I have a lot of folks that come to me and say that they're just, you know, they'll be happy when they make more money or they'll be happy when they get a new career and they may want to shift out of this or, you know, get into leadership. You can't I say, let's, let's take a pause because, you know, usually we get, we'll get into this habit where, you know, we constantly are pointing the finger and, and play that game of, you know, I'll be happy when. So we need to adjust mm. our thinking because our, our thinking patterns that controls our life. So we have to think differently, not just mm. reframe our thoughts, but we have to rewire them. So there's a system around that, that I, I, I want to coach everyone how to do that. Once we fix our mindset, well, I want to work on our lifestyle as well. Because when you work on your lifestyle, that could be through our physical fitness, through mindfulness, getting in touch with ourselves, gaining that awareness. I'm not out to have people do these massive changes because massive changes do not work long term. You see a lot of programs out there that are you know, promising these crazy results in 30 days and it's going to be life changing and you're going to think differently and you're going to lose 30 pounds and you're going to get the career you want and you're going to be successful I mean, show me anything that that really happens in, in 30 days uh, and I'll sign up myself and you can guarantee it. Yeah. But, you know, what I've learned is through small daily action, that equals massive results. But we are mm. hardwired to want to put in that massive effort to get massive results, which can it happen? Absolutely. But that is a high risk of massive mm. burnout as well because it is simply not sustainable think about it in terms of your eating so how many people mm. do you know that have said i want to lose you know 10 pounds so they say well i'm not going to touch a single carb i'm going to cut out all my sugar i'm going to stop drinking and they make all these wild changes and how long does that actually last it lasts until the first weekend like oh well you know i was at a party with my friends and you know i just figured i you know i'd let it go well I want to coach people that they can do all of that. I want to teach them to observe, you know, their habits and look where they can make just little micro adjustments because you start stacking those one on top of the other. So it could be, you know, we look at your, your diet and we just find one thing that we don't even have to cut out completely. We just cut back on that feels pretty good. You kept a promise to yourself. You didn't, you know, have that one thing or as much of it for X amount of time. So now it feels good. Let me cut it out completely. Let me find something else. 
And you can do this with any habit you have in your life. It doesn't just have to be food. But again, the point is small daily action equals massive results. So, you know, you have to be unsexy a lot to get sexy. You know, people want to do the <laughs> sexy work and that, that just, that just doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah. So when I, yeah. when I learned, when I learned that, that was pretty awesome. So after we work on your lifestyle, now we can get to your career because we've worked on the inner game mm. in your mind. We've made those lifestyle mm. adjustments. And if you want that mm. new career, you want that new promotion, you got to be that leader of one before you can, before you can lead many. So now we can tackle that. And I have 12 years of industry experience in the recruiting game. So, and, and seven years as, as a leader. So if you want to get into leadership, great, I can help you. I'll show you what you got to do. You want to get out of recruiting? Great. I can help you. Let's do it. You want to uh, just find a new position in your current field? Well, I can help you with that too. But you know, you have to have your best self show up to that role because who you're interviewing with is going to see that as well. And it's a disservice to yourself if you take that on. So after we get through our mindset, our lifestyle and our career, what's left? Well, we have our families, we have our partners, that's our relationships. If you do all that work and you leave everyone else in the dust, you're just going to be alone. So I've been there myself where, you know, I've done all this personal development work and, and my wife is the best. I have been with her 16 years, actually 17 years now coming up this year. And she will call me out when I need to. And I love her for it. For example, this was a uh, probably two months ago. Uh, a lot of great things going on, feeling amazing. Think I'm thinking I'm on top of the world. And my wife says to me, I love what you have going on with all this. She's like, but we're here too. And I said, wow. whoa. Okay. Like it hit Whoa. me by, with a ton of bricks, but for me, you only need to tell me something just so small. I don't need a lot of, um, a lot of input to, to change my thinking. Just tell me that, mm. call me out and I'll change it. And I, and mm. I realized that I was focusing so much on myself and doing all this personal development, improving my life that I'm human. Right. So, so mm. I needed to pour back into my wife, into my kids. So I can help others with that as well, because it's not just a personal journey. You know, that journey is, it's a shared experience along, you know, mm. with your family, your kids, you know, your partner, whatever. Um, and, and that's something that's it, so important. And, you know, it really comes down to communication is the key with that. So after we get through all four of that, it's a 12 week program called Level Up Your Life. And at that point, I, I, am, I am your resource. You know, so I, I treat my team like they're my family. So uh, I'll run through a wall for my team. So I'll do that for any of my clients too. <laughs> mm. I, I love that it's a holistic, holistic picture. Cause I think often it can be quite focused just on whether it's your career or, you know, just your wake or whatever it is. So I love that it's quite a holistic approach. I really, really like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just as we close, what would you say to yourself at the beginning of your leadership journey? Love that. So what I would say to myself is just let it go. Just be mm. your real self and don't be, don't be afraid to step into who you really are because I held mm. myself back for so long because I wanted to please everyone. I wanted to do the right things, say the right things, 
show up the right way. And I was afraid of my voice and I didn't realize the impact that my influence really had. Now, it doesn't mean that I wasn't doing a good job as a leader, but I wasn't showing up as the real Angelo in the beginning. Mm. It took some time. Mm. And I think all leaders can resonate with that because again, we, we want to be perfect, but that's mm. someone else's perfect that we're looking mm. at. So mm. you got to redefine who's perfect you're, you're living off of. And now I realize that I'm me, I'm enough. You know, I, I know the influence mm. I have and I know my worth. It's not, I don't need that validation externally from anything, you know, it's all inside here. So I would give that advice to my younger self and empower that younger Angelo to just step into it, right? Walk into that room, be confident, mm. you know, put your energy mm. out and just build everyone up. And mm. it's okay if you fail because mm. no one's going to care. You're, you're a, you're a human <laughs> being, you're a human being. Yeah. And yeah. you know, when I made mistakes, you know, later in my career, I would just admit it and I would, or openly say, I don't know. What do you mm. think to one of my mm. team members? Mm. So I think that that would just be so impactful to me early in my career. And, you know, I think it's, it would be amazing if I had that, but everything happens for a reason. It's a journey. So I'm glad that no one did say that to me at the time. Maybe I wouldn't have been ready. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, there's so much value in the process mm -hmm. and the journey that you go on to get the understanding. So I think it's great to look back, but I think, you know, it's important that you enjoy the journey and value the lessons along the way. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Thank you so, so much for your time and thank you for sharing. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure everyone that listens will as well. So thank you so much. Uh, right back at you, Tolu. Thank you so much. I'm forever grateful for you. I'm glad we met and, you know, this opportunity has been amazing. Thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode.